Welcome to the T-HUD Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. And it's for the first time, Leland, in like, I don't know, it might, might be like over a year, year and a half, we're doing a bonus episode, baby. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking on our website, ttpopcast.com, and our last bonus episode was bonus episode 14, Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. That was our last wow. bonus episode. <laughs> That's that like was December of 2019. December of 2019, yeah. <laughs> wow. That, yeah, we released that Christmas of 2019. There, there wasn't even a virus back then, baby. Holy fuck. Wow. There's a, uh, yep. I remember that Christmas. That was a shitty Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely better than the last one I had, but still. Yeah, you, you haven't Christmas. had a good luck of like, you know, Christmases that don't make you want to toss yourself off a large bridge. Recently. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, been pretty shitty. But uh, yeah, we wanted to do a special because we love uh, the game, the Resident Evil game series and Village came out, which is Resident Evil 8. Is it really, though? Yeah, it is. I think. Now you're making me second guess everything. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, okay. Oh, boy. Do we have a lot to talk about that? And because of that, <laughs> one of the things we got to talk about, the game's essentially a clone of Resident Evil 4. Like, I'm sorry. And that's something I'm going to beat the drum on today, for better or for worse. But in thinking of that, we we don't have the ability to discuss this properly, just you and I. Correct. And I don't think an outside guest is appropriate. I think that the powers of the underworld need to be called upon to discuss this. <laughs> so it's been a while, but... Yeah. Uh, not that long, actually. Okay, it's not been Halloween, a while. Halloween, I think. Halloween. Oh, that's that's right. Yes, of course. Of course. That That's when the underworld is the closest to our dimension exactly the veil is the thinnest you can just reach right through anyways listener i thought it would be good if we could summon our dead friend uh god rest his soul uh who's been away died a few years ago but uh we try to bring him back for special occasions when belzebub lets him leave um so leland let's uh let's seance uh let's seance our old friend in okay okay you want to lead it yes Oh, from the depths la le lu le lo. the world la of le lu le lo. I summon Don't let him get the coffee. Marty. Don't let him get the coffee. Marty. And I'm Marty. Hey, Marty. <laughs> Hello, hey. Marty. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome How's back. the underworld? <laughs> so I was just getting my uh, second sh- uh, COVID shot. Have you got? You guys must be all be vaccinated there on Earth. <laughs> no, the bureaucracy in hell is much better. <laughs> Obviously, oh. yeah. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Mail service on the material plane is just hell. But I'm bum. <laughs> I'd really like to know how you keep your uh, mRNA vaccines at like minus 20 degrees Celsius down there. <laughs> oh, they give it to us lukewarm. Oh, of course. It's hell. <laughs> Why would they not? Oh, you man. know, that 5% efficiency to your, <laughs> your shot there. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. My skin's melted off, but I'm fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome, Marty, Ghost Marty. Uh, we're happy to have you here as we discuss Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 4.5, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, as as a Steam reviewer said, 7 plus 4 equals 8. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, honestly, that's so true. There, like, there's so many different pieces of of all of it. And I think Moby, we, can we, you kind of gave us a lose that line, but we're going to start with non-spoiler yes. bit 
first. I don't know if you want to lead right away with ratings, like, because I'm going to speak poorly of a lot of things about this game, but I'm going to rate it incredibly highly. Well, well, what I thought is we could each start with a few minute monologue on on our thoughts on it. And so, uh, Leland, I mean, yeah, why don't you get into, I guess it sounds like the four fifths negative, one fifth positive for it. <laughs> but uh, why don't you monologue first and we'll go Marty and we'll end with myself. Okay, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm giving this game like a, a eight and a half out of ten, like a nine. Like it's it's up wow. there. Like I really liked this game. Wow. Um, I I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. I like that. I like that it feels cohesive with the last slew of RE games that have been released, including the remix. Because that's I. I mean, clearly they've painstakingly gone in and made sure that it all feels like one universe despite some of these games being decades old uh, and being remade, you know, like just the simple aesthetics of it where, you know, the, the yellow tape on things that you can interact with and all that shit. And obviously it's all on the same engine too. So that helps. And, and even like the, the, you know, the versus the first person RE7, RE8 versus third person uh, that is usually of the, of the franchise. Right. Uh, although since four, it's kind of been more of a over the shoulder Right, it's kind of different, a little different, but whatever. So I like, I like that things feel cohesive because I really liked, I really enjoyed the the remix, uh, two and three. Although three was a ripoff for what you got, uh, paying full price. Even though I played three more than I played two for some reason, I don't know. And I like all the nods to RE4 because I liked Resident Evil Four. So <laughs> I really enjoyed Resident Evil Eight. I thought they, I thought it was cool. They didn't do anything uh, iterative, really. There wasn't much new, but it still somehow felt new or different. It felt different, but the same. Yeah, there were parts that were different, which I think are mostly related to structure um, that we can can dive into later. You know, I'll get into it in my monologue. I'm similar to you in that, I mean, I I borderline love the game. I probably love the game in which there's only a few Resident Evils I actually love, but... uh, this one definitely has big flaws um, that I want to dive into. But uh, Ghost Marty, when you're playing this, uh, what, what, what's your monologue? Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with Leland on a lot of this stuff. I think, in general, this game kind of advances the themes that uh, RE2 and RE3 make have been showing, as well as um, RE7. It's, out of these last four, honestly, I think, this is one of my favorites. Obviously, RE2 make, I've played the hell out of it. I'm not going to replay this game ten times, but uh, it's one of the better ones, I think. I I really, obviously, uh, along with you guys, I'm a big fan of RE4. Maybe the biggest fan out of the bunch of RE4. I played it a lot. And this takes a lot of those RE4 themes, and it kind of modernizes some of them, changes some of them, but it, it does a lot, you know? And... Obviously, it could be a complaint. You could sit there and uh, nitpick away at all the RE4 things. But in general, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and just, you know, obviously we'll get into spoilers and shit like that in a bit. But uh, in general, like, I, this is definitely up there for me. I, I, I rate it very high as well. Awesome. Well, I think we're all going to be in agreement there because for me, the game is so incredibly fun at least through my first two playthroughs. It's so incredibly fun that the fun, the pure enjoyment of playing it overwhelms 
the negatives. Like even Leland, we were talking before we started casting, he's uh, he's working on his second run through on hardcore. And just that makes me want to dive into a third time. And I will, uh, because there's there's just so much pure fun in it. And even though there's some things that um, I really didn't like about it, um, there's some parts of it that I thought like they nailed. That's really good. And I have to admit, after all these years, we're so old now, like literally after 16 years, I have to admit there's parts of Resident Evil 4's mechanics that I actually like, that I actually enjoy being in an RE game more than traditional RE. So, for example, the traditional RE that I always tell you guys I like so much uses item boxes. That's okay. But RE4's briefcase system... I, I like more because I feel like it actually adds to the survival horror that if you do really good with items, then you have to start kind of swapping them around and, and doing item management. And I think that actually adds to the tension. So, you know, that's an example of something from RE4 I really like. Do the homages go too far in this game? I would say at points I felt they went too far. But for some reason, that's kind of wearing off after my second playthrough where I'm a little bit more accepting of it all. Um, so, you know, if I were to give it a grade, I would probably score it like Leland, 8.5. i give it a solid 8.5. You know, Moby, the the homages that you talk about, I, I agree with you to an extent, but I think for the most part, like, they, they do a really good job. It's obviously made by, like, lovingly by this team. Um, there's some homages that uh, take place, like, some of the uh, bosses for example where it's it's about to be the exact same thing and we'll get into that later but it's like then it clearly diverts and i i think that was deliberate on their part to kind of give you like that feeling and to be like hey we know we know what you liked about re4 but we're not gonna you know recreate it exactly but they but there's parts like that i mean very early on in the game this isn't really spoilerish i mean it's like like one of the first things is like there's like a cabin defense scene essentially yes you know yes but it's different it's very different from how re4 did it but yet somewhat similar i think i think they had really kind of carried that on throughout most of the game Uh, you know honestly though i think its strengths are when it diverts a little bit like when it has its own unique uh gameplay mechanics which it doesn't really have much of honestly there's a few spots that were fresh and we'll talk about that obviously in the spoilers but uh it it pulls stuff from re2 remake it pulls stuff from re3 remake and it pulls stuff obviously from re4 and obviously it's you know a continuation thematically and of the story of re7 so it it really while it is its own new thing it's very much uh you know the kind of the sum of its parts in a lot of ways yeah it really feels like a franken re to me like it's it's an assemblage of the re's that came before it and I should have looked this up, but I think it may be close to Resident Evil's 25th anniversary or something like that. And even though that wasn't kind of trumped up in the marketing, um, that would kind of seem natural that they're trying to make a game that assembles all these best parts of their previous lineage. Because one thing I want to bring up very, very quickly, but I wanted to insert this somewhere for people that aren't super familiar with the Resident Evil series. We're talking about Resident Evil Village, which is technically Resident Evil 8. It's not really Resident Evil 8. Resident Evil has a full-on game that is zero. So first of all, it's actually the ninth in the numbered series. But then there's games like Code Veronica and Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2, which I believe are considered canon games but are not numbered. 
so it's actually a larger franchise, maybe about 20, 25% larger than the, the number RE8 would uh, infer. So there's a ton of history there, um, too, where they're, they're drawing in stuff. Well, that's, that's interesting, too, because a lot of the uh, numbered REs, you would think at, at initially they were considered like the main continuation points of this main story. But that's kind of irrelevant at this point, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no main story anymore. It's just, you know, since RE6 ended and they kind of uh, you know, retconned the whole thing, it's going in a new direction entirely. So stuff like this, um, Revelations, even Code Veronica, which in of itself was a major continuation of the story you really can't take the numbers as just the numbers honestly no you no you can't and and that's a great point that was my point precisely and and code veronica is a great example i actually own a port for it for gamecube i should actually beat it at some point but um code veronica is like considered a core re game and it's definitely canon but it's not numbered and Honestly, it's one of those franchises where, where, like, if you were to jump in at RE7 and play RE7 and 8, which are linked together, you really would have no friggin' clue of the actual backstory because we're so, like, we're decades removed now in the story timeline from the original outbreak at the Spencer Mansion that the game isn't even really about T-viruses or G-virus or progenitor anymore. It's more about, like, cleaning up the mess of the past in not remaking the mistakes of the past. Hmm. Well, absolutely. And RE2 and RE3 make don't tie in at all to 7 or 8, really. No, no, because like the Resident Evil is no longer a franchise about zombies. It's a franchise about bioweapons, and that bioweapon can take any form that they want to write their game around. So uh, to, to for you saying that Moby jumping in with 7 and 8, which obviously, I mean, wouldn't be that bad of a jumping in point, really. But, like, the narrative structure in Resident Evil 8 is so garbage that it doesn't even matter if you've played the other games because there's barely any story there that is tied to anything else. And when when there is something, it's literally a throwaway line that you only know if you know, if you get what, if you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah. Unless you understand, like, a, a, the name of an organization that just gets dropped in a single sentence and then they move on to whatever else is immediately at hand... Like, there's, there's zero narrative structure to this fucking game. That's one of the things that I want to get into really uh, a <laughs> bit here. But is this actually eight? I mean, at Moby and I, we kind of touched this on a banter in our last episode we were talking about Resident Evil 8. But, like, the title, yeah, it's, it's, it's Resident Evil Village, which the V-I-L-L is the eight. But it doesn't feel like it's an eight, even though it's a direct sequel to seven. Like, is this meant to be this jumping in point? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I think it is. Now, I agree with you on the feel, 100%, that it doesn't feel so much like 8, but it is 8 because they, for reasons we'll get into with a very important spoiler, um, you can see with Ethan Winters' story that they there was clearly going to be a reason why Ethan is what he is. And that they needed to end this story and then use it as a jumping off point for his daughter's story, which is, again, something else we'll get get into. Because I I think that could get kind of weird what her story is going to be. They clearly set it up that she's going to be like the protagonist of RE9. Is it RE8? Yeah. I mean, it's what Capcom wants to be RE8. Yeah, okay. 
But like, this isn't. This is just like, I don't know. Is this even like a a tra- This is well. This definitely is not a traditional franchise. I don't think it ever really has been. Because uh, like you said, there's been so many different offshoots of, of games as far as main central plot. And honestly, there's just so many fucking characters is another thing. Yeah. So you may, you won't see yeah. a character for four games, which could be like 15 fucking years. So yeah. mm-hmm. how do they maintain any type, any semblance of like structured narrative? narrative? Like that's really hard to do. They can't. I, I think, Leland, that um, it's becoming more of an anthology series at this point. Mm. So it's it's almost it's almost like a Final Fantasy in some ways, except there is some uh, story beats or characters that carry on. But in some ways, they're not even the same characters anymore. It's almost like, yeah, here's Chris Redfield, but he's slightly different in this game, and he's going to be slightly different in the next game, you know. But little bits of him will be drawn from those experiences and we'll get throwaway lines like uh one of the ones we can talk about later and stuff like that right it's they're there but they're (laughs) they're just they're tools i think at this point yeah that's that's a really good way i mean that's exactly the descriptor that i was searching for and failed to come up with that's uh, anthology franchise absolutely yeah and i agree with marty i don't think that's a spoiler that chris redfield who Again, the, the, what narrative there is, I agree with Leland, that this game has a very poor narrative structure and that like 80% of the narrative that it has is injected into the last hour of the game. <laughs> and you spend like the first beginning of the game just, you know, wandering, having fun, shooting shit and collecting lie, which is such a good currency name. It's like, hey, I want to get lied, you know, I want to lay, just, lay, like, you know, I want to lay, it's like L-E-I. I want to get laid. You know, I just want to lay on all my treasure here. You can use so many, so many memes for that, but you don't even really know what's going on until the very end of the game. And no Resident Evil has had such a forced injection of narrative at the end of the game as this one has. I was like, oh, I guess this game has a story. Well, good to know that <laughs> well, I'm almost at the final I, boss. What I actually really fucking hated was that at the begin, very beginning of the game, like Ethan who, you know, even though it was three years ago that RE7 was set, but went through all this shit, he still seems so confused at the very beginning of the <laughs> game. Does. It's like, what do you mean, dude? You fuck, What did you go through three years ago, you fucking idiot? Of course. Like, why are you so confused? That shit's fucked up. The, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is, is, that Le- uh, is that Ethan is literally a moron. He, he walks into a room that's torn to shreds, and he, the first thing he says is, maybe they're out. <laughs> There's blood on the fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even even as a meme, it's weird. He has no personality except what the gamers make for him. And one of my problems is that in the cinematics where Ethan was in in this game, they very forcibly and awkwardly position the camera so you would never see his face. And particularly at the end, I was like, this really is the cinematic time where you should show his face. Like, you can Google him. His character model exists. You can look up what he looks like. But they just refuse to show his face until the absolute bitter end of the game. Hmm. Because we never saw it in 7, did we? No. No. No, we never saw it in 7. It... It's yeah, it's just weird because he's he's like the RE first person guy character and Capcom just really sticks to 
forcing him to be this faceless person. I don't know how much longer we can go without giving the spoiler warnings and, and diving in. And this really is a game that uses the village as a hub, which is kind of cool. I, it almost feels like the Zelda version of Resident Evil, where it's like you got the hub and you go out to explore the four corners, four dungeons. Um, but I think we need spoilers to uh, discuss that. So if everybody's cool, we'll give her a spoiler warning right now. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, re- real quick as a non-spoiler, honestly, if anyone's on the fence about this game and you like survival horror or shooters you'll probably enjoy it honestly it's it's still a really fun game despite the uh, narrative problems which definitely exist i mean it gets by a lot on its atmosphere rather than its actual story and the interesting characters but um you know spoilers aside honestly it's it's a fun game and it has a really high production value like um, this is something i've noticed with their games recently even devil may cry 5 like their last Three, four years of gaming have been really, really solid. So uh, just on that alone, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's a great point, Marty. Um, I think the RE engine is awesome. For me, it's my favorite way that Resident Evil games have been built. Um, I hope they use it for a couple more games. Eventually, it'll get dated. But I think it, it is a really good fit for the game series. So um, yeah, production values are high. The extras are great. The voice acting is awesome i i I mean i know the lines are very corny (laughs) yeah the acting itself is is good is great like yes everyone puts in their all and gives it up but like (laughs) some of the dialogue is really badly written but but it's badly written on purpose though okay and and it's a hundred and it's a hundred percent act like it's acted um in such a way like for b-movie actors it's like if they went in and gave like the thespian role of their life like it's just like <laughs> they tried their best and That's i love true. it for that no no i know i do think that the the bad dialogue does add to the game it does not subtract from it and they, and the game does have atmosphere in spades like the game's scary like i mean it's not they do put in some jump scares and a lot of them get me even a second on a second playthrough <laughs> like yeah but it's it's scary and we'll get into this with because one of the things I wanted to do because Village is a hub and it goes into four different types of horror, gothic, psychological, kind of not Cthulhu horror, but whatever. There, there's a name for that. And then body horror. There's kind of a kind of horror for everybody there, uh, no matter what scares you. And I thought that was really cool. I didn't think it was very Resident Evil like, but I thought it was really cool because it kind of gives someone anything. Yeah, the the game is definitely scary in parts too. I'll give it that, despite it being an action game. <laughs> it's really fucked up in points yes, that oh my we're God. definitely going to discuss. Yeah. Okay, let's like, let's get into spoil. Let's spoil. Max fuck. Okay. All right, guys. So what I wanted to do um, as a structure is basically uh, go into the four zones, deal with. We'll each discuss the four lords in their area, what we thought about it. And then we'll come back and tie this together with kind of like final big thoughts, thoughts on Mother Miranda, who's the boss of the game, and kind of where things go. But I really think the game is so distinctively cut into four zones that we have to break it down and discuss each each lord in each zone separately. So let's start with Marty. Uh, Marty, can you give us some thoughts on uh, when you first went to Castle Dimitrescu, or Dimitrescu, as the Romanians apparently really pronounce it? Mm. Um, what did you think of the castle? What did you think of Lady D and all her memes? Did she deliver? Did Capcom like shortchange us? What do you think? 
I think what happened there is pretty funny, actually, because they, they obviously put her in the marketing materials, but it wasn't like they deliberately advertised her as, like, the main baddie. It's just that people picked up on her so big that they were like, well, here's more of her, because obviously you like her, and she's the first 25% of the game, so who gives a shit if we reveal a little bit of stuff, right? So obviously they did that as you know, very uh, purposefully because they didn't want to reveal everything, which was a good decision. And and honestly, for the most part, that whole section delivers. Like, it, it's it's a strong point in the game, for sure. It's a little bit slow to start. I found especially the initial village part was a bit slow, and then it picks up. I think just because your guns are so weak at the beginning, you feel so useless, honestly. And even on normal, like, you just, you do, like, such minimal damage to the lichens that honestly until you actually start getting some upgrades in the castle you're pretty much uh just sitting on your hands and uh i didn't even find it that enjoyable enjoyable to be honest with you but it, it picks up and i think uh that that's it's a strong point of the game the it, it obviously draws a lot from re2 make and uh re3 make with uh like nemesis or mr x yeah. sometimes to its detriment is a little bit too much of that i think um I would say that they're it's it's I I thought it actually felt minimal. It was so easy to just to get around Lady Lady Dom. Well, Lady D is easy for sure. Like she she only killed me once, I think, on hardcore because I was uh, trying to open a door and the door was so fucking slow. Oh yeah, when you that she uh, one one hit killed me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it was like that one hallway like you go up and it's like a little annex of the main building and you have to open a door once you get her key or something and it's so bloody slow but no i'm talking more about the fights with their daughters like they're they're repetitive and um i i found when they're chasing you it's kind of annoying because it's kind of like okay i get it they're bugs and i can't do anything and i wasn't a big fan of that but in general the characters and the atmosphere of the castle were great especially oh in the basement of the castle with all the blood yeah and you're in like the uh the wine cellar that was cool that's so disgusting Yeah. yeah Oh man, yeah, her winemaking facilities, Virgilis Sanguinis or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it was, Virginis, taking all these women, and then of course the women are like blood drained, skinny ghouls with swords. But anyways, they're there crawling around, and you actually get some some kind of good combat there. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, uh, Leland, uh, your thoughts on uh, Castle Dimitrescu? Well, my first, I mean, in the first playthrough, this section felt really long. Like, it felt like it was a sizable portion of the game. And then you kind of realize, like, oh, there's three other, there's clearly going to be three other sections that we're going to be going through. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think it was, uh, it was interesting. And so on my second playthrough, like, I blitzed through, blitzed through that in, like, the first, like, hour and a half of the game. Like, if you just kind of go, and you don't even have to run through and try to, like, you know, get your best time to really get through it pretty quickly. I liked the, I mean, the castle here is better than the castle in Rising of the Four. A low bar. <laughs> <laughs> I really got lost a lot, uh, finding that last mask though, in that castle. Like I wandered that castle a lot. And also I didn't real I didn't utilize the block at all in my first playthrough. So it made that first playthrough challenging sometimes. And I really fucking hate the lichens. I don't want to deviate from my thoughts on the castle itself. I really hate the lichens. It's just fucking bullet sinks. Honestly, everything in is is a fucking bullet sink in here. Yeah, and they they do these. They all do these fucking dodges. They're like, 
do it. What, what's that? Uh, like electric, like electric sliding out of your out of the way of your fucking crosshair. It doesn't matter where they're standing, <laughs> as long as your 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 crosshair is over them, they'll just whoosh to the left or whoosh to yeah. the right. <laughs> so, okay, so the castle. I like I like the last I like the fight with Lady D. Um, I thought that was actually a cool boss fight. I mean, at this point, every Resident Evil boss is going to be a big hulking, weird-looking monster thing with a cool-looking monster model, and they're going to have a weak point that you shoot. Like, there's no getting around that. And it's not like her fight was really all that different. Uh, but to to draw back to what we're saying about the the narrative of this, like, you randomly find a note that talks about a special dagger that's coated in all the world's poisons. But, oh, it's lost, the note says. <laughs> and then you get to the end of the castle, and the fucking dagger's right there, of course. So you can stab Lady D so she can take damage. It's like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty lame. I mean, like, it's supposedly lost, but it's on, like, some epic spire in... Like a sarcophagus in a, like, or whatever? Yeah. It's like... It's like in the day-to-day life of Dimitrescu and her daughters, they never, like, went for a stroll on the balcony <laughs> and found this thing or something. Yeah. Like. I agree that uh, I agree that the daughter fights were just, yeah. I mean, there's three daughters, and you killed them all the exact same way. The only challenging one that I that I was challenged with was the very, is the very first one. Oh. That, yeah. The, the second one, one literally, tough. you just keep pulling the lever and open the ceiling, and she'll hide in a corner, and you just pop her. Like, you literally stand by the lever, and you can shoot her. Like, you don't even have to move. And then the third hmm. one at least is a little different yeah. where you got to blow the wall up, which is nice that it kind of teaches you that me- mechanism in the game at least. where Because there are other sections where you blow up walls to get to extra items and all that crap. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just like super repetitive. I, I actually disagree with you two on that. Um, and it probably was just how my experience went uh, with Lady D's daughters. First of all, I thought they were just amazing, hammy, over-the-top characters. Mm, man blood like i just as as expecting a b-movie feel for the the game i just really liked them the first one i actually didn't have a ton of trouble with i figured vampire she's invincible you gotta i didn't realize it was cold at the time i actually thought it was light but i i thought of shooting the window and it froze her i'm like that's cool um and same for the second one the second one for me though wasn't the library the second one for me was in the attic what so that's when I ran into her. Is that her. possible? So that was pretty normal. I don't Somehow, think that's possible. I think I did that both pr- playthroughs. Really? Huh. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not how I did nope. it. Nope. I'm pretty sure I'm good. Well, when I play the game again, I'll see because I'll probably go the same route. I'll see if that happens again. But I'm 99% sure I hit that second one in the attic with the, the key. Oh, that's because you played on easy. So all the doors are unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, there's seventy like, oh, percent less keys. This can be sold to the dude. <laughs> you find one skeleton key, it just opens everything. <laughs> the the library one, the library the one, the, map. <laughs> the easy easy key literally has E Z on it. <laughs> easy key opens everything up. Uh, no, the the one in the library though gave me some trouble though. I kept shooting the ceiling, and I'm like, well, I've shot the window before or exposed before. I never thought there could be a mm. lever to open mm. the ceiling. So that one uh, like really fucked me up. I probably was close to dying twice on her, probably sucked up three or four first aid jugs. And uh, yeah, that, that one the first time posed me a lot of problems. But like Leland, my second playthrough, 
I went through like a breeze and, you know, I want to complain a little bit about the puzzles. Like that piano puzzle was absolute crap where you literally just type a note until you actually hit the correct note and then you can move on to the next note. But that makes no sense if something was like a key to unlock something. It doesn't give you unlimited tries to hit the correct <laughs> Look, note. All of the puzzles on. in this game are like that. None of the puzzles are, are, are like good puzzles. They're all incredibly easy. So yes. obviously that was intense. And I'm not a puzzle guy. There's literally one good puzzle, and it's the one where you have to light the guy on fire. Oh, yeah, the vampire yes. yeah, yeah. puzzle. Yeah, that was so good. That actually that is was cool. so yeah, satisfying. That took me like killing a couple of those guys where I realized, oh, why don't I try lighting him on fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, why are they keep? Oh, they're giving me these puzzles. Yeah, exactly. It's like literally the exact yeah. same thought that went through my head. Puzzles are definitely the weak part of the game. And you guys know I, I have my, my friend who's a doctorate in piano. When I explained the... At first, when I didn't understand, I sent her a video of it. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And then when I figured it out and I sent her, she's like, that's a puzzle. I'm like, apparently. I'm like, isn't that how you learn piano? You just play all the keys until you get the one key that you want. And then you just move on to all the other keys. So, okay. So to fix that puzzle, what it would have been on is as soon as you get a missed note, it would, you would have to restart all the notes. And then you would have to learn the comp. Yes. Like that, yeah, that's how you make that an actual puzzle. Yeah, it, it was that simple. And that's actually originally what I thought it was. And I, I had a notepad. I've actually got the notepad right beside me ready to do that ready to give myself notes on how to do that and but then by the way that's actually easy. not a that's still not a puzzle no. that's just like yeah, a yeah it's, tri it's trial and error but it's yeah it's more of a game it's more of a game i guess yeah it's, yeah. it's a better gameplay mechanic because yeah, there's like 10 notes in that sequence yeah yeah the the worst puzzle that i'll get to for me or the one that that ticked me off the most was the moreau sequence but we'll get there in a few minutes oh, okay time for sure um little little foreshadowing um yeah so i really like the castle the the castle for me is my second favorite place next to obviously the second place that we'll get to in a few minutes um i felt yeah i i felt the re2 vibes with lady d constantly prowling around i agree with leland that she was much more avoidable than mr x was um she was still terrifying when i'd open a door and hear like ethan winters yeah yeah, yeah. something like that and she did she did one time fucking corner me upstairs and it was in a spot where there's like nowhere for me to go. There was nowhere out. And I was just trembling because I knew I was going to take a hit from her. Like it was so tight quarters that I don't know if I showed you guys on my game. If I sent you a screenshot, you'd be like, oh, there. But yeah, I just had to hear like clump, clump, <laughs> clump, clump. And then her grab me and like stab me. And that was that was the scariest part uh, involving her. Her as a boss right away is like, oh, look, it's the same boss thing as RE4 where like, you know, she's invincible, but like the little vulnerable part of her is hanging out and I can take a sniper rifle to it or something. So that was a case of where the homage went a little bit too far. And because Moreau as a boss was actually similar yeah. to that, that that's the thing, Marty, that pushed it over the edge, that Moreau and Dimitrescu are actually very similar bosses in how you fight them. Yeah, to it to an extent, but I mean that's just standard RE fare as well. Like that's typically how the bosses are, right? They usually have a weak point, and I mean you can damage them outside of that weak point, but you're just not doing very much. No, no. And actually, by the way, one of my points I'm going to bring at the end is think of the four boss fights, um, like the lords before Miranda. Well, f fuck, you can add Miranda to it if you'd like. That just adds sauce on the you know cake, but. 
I think boss fights were actually pretty weak in this game when you look at them objectively. Yeah, I do, like I like we were just saying before we started recording. I I fucking hate Moreau. I like I just beat him on hardcore. Don't like him. Uh, <laughs> it just like his fight is. I think it's a it's a well structured fight, but it pisses me off. But I don't want to get ahead of ahead of where we are. The the one of the funniest thing in, in the castle is because you can go into your safe room with the Duke, which we haven't even talked about. How do we have not talked about the Duke yet? The Duke is the best character. In we got to we got to do Duke. Um, but the funniest part is you just you can literally just step on the threshold and she'll stop chasing you because it's a safe room and she'll turn around. Yes, she and then, so I shot her in the ass and she like turned around, it's like put her head over her shoulder and like gave me a dirty look because I shot her in the ass. But then she just like turned back around and kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That that safe room is like the only true safe room in the entire game. Actually, it's like the only true safe room with that kind of like soothing music and and stuff like that, which I found possibly disappointing. I mean, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, I was going to put the Duke in after Bienavento, but that's such a big section itself. Let's discuss the Duke now because we all want to. The Duke is going to be an infamy. Like we're going to be old <laughs> men reminiscing about video games, talking about the Duke. And I'm really interested in your guys' uh, thoughts on the Duke. So, so Marty, what do you what do you think of the Duke? I mean, I didn't think they could top the Resident Evil Four Merchant just for like you know how iconic that character was. Like you know, what are you buying or what are you selling? Like that stuff is you know has lived on through memes forever. And not only do they reference that, yeah, but they've created a much better, fully sort of fully fleshed, definitely fully fleshed in one-way character and it's like it's it's amazing and anyone who has problem with him because of body positivity and stuff is ridiculous he is the probably the best character of the game yeah and and he honestly like he's he's voiced so well he says such (laughs) interesting stuff and the fact that like he's also hilarious like he's having a heart attack when you're in the other room it's it's amazing (laughs) And obviously, Lady D is terrified of him. <laughs> he, there's times where I told you guys I was scared of him because I'd be like across the factory where he randomly appears in the elevator deep in the factory with all his stuff. And like I heard like, oh, oh, like echoing across the factory. And he's smoking. He's constantly eating like he's the most. Every time you walk person into the, to see him, he's got a cigar in one hand, and a book in the other. Like, OK, all right. I like like but, the Duke has yeah. like the most personality and, and like he rivals the level of personality of the four bosses, like the four main people. Right. Like totally piece of cardboard. Duke like filet mignon right like the duke is just fucking he's such a good part of this game and he's he's a really central part of the game honestly like he plays into it narratively at the end too and right like wh- who what is the duke like what the fuck is he he's clearly not just a big uh, apparently he's apparently he's the fifth lord like that hasn't come out officially but apparently there was a like he is a fifth lord and that's why um you know he kind of seems to have these almost supernatural powers of movement and being around uh-huh. That or some people theorize that there's like this huge international family of like supernatural merchants <laughs> that help people out. And that's how he knows. Well, the you Australian know, every time guy. you've beat one of the lords, the Duke has something of theirs. Like, is he he's like collecting some like because uh, when you when you beat uh, yes. Benavido, he's got Angie the doll, right? Or, or, or something. And then when you beat Moreau, he's got 
uh, a, the jar of the Kadu you find in, in Moreau's little hut with the TV and shit. Like, so he's like clearly collecting things and obviously he's buying the crystalli- crystallized lords that you give them when you, when you, when they die or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's super interesting and just, uh, he, his quotes are great. Um, I know it, it really annoyed Leland. Leland, thank you for the uh, heads up because you started playing before I did. But the cooking mechanism is a kind of cool addition to the merchant. Yeah, I mean, I liked it because you can get boons from, you know, cooking up these dishes. Uh, or, but but the shitty thing is, like, you you can kill animals and collect their meat, but you're able to sell them and you get them before you can even have the, the list. So, yeah. like, I'm buying all these things because, like, in RE4... You would just eat eggs and eat fish. And I'm like, well, I don't need to eat these. Yeah. I'm going to sell these and get more money. And like, oh, well, fuck. So I think I was able to make like one dish in my first playthrough because I sold all, all this all the meat. Like I sold the the special pig. So I couldn't even think about getting that dish with the with the fine pig or whatever. So I was oh, like, fuck. That's too bad. Yeah, it sucks. So I was I always found I didn't, I didn't have enough. I always ran out. Like I wanted to get like the speed upgrade and I never had enough fish. Yeah. Well, I think like they're they're meant for a new game too, right? Like, although like they reset on a new uh, game, yeah. don't they? Right. Or um, I think it carries over if you carry over your save, right? Like uh, if you just if you just start a new new save, then obviously no. The 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 recipes I can confirm do do carry over. I have all the foods. I got like four of the six my first run through, and cleared out the last two when I found pretty bird, <laughs> right. pretty bird. So everything carries over except for the key items. Okay, that makes sense. So Leland, you were saying that he has like little like trinkets after you kill the bosses. Is that what you were saying? I didn't see I that. I noticed like every time you go and you see him after you've killed someone, he's like got something in his hands that's related to them. Ah, cool. I don't know what he has for Lady Dom or Heisenberg, but I just noticed. I just happened because I literally just did finish Benvenino and Moreau before we started recording, so right. I, they were fresh in my mind and. Um, Okay, I, I don't know where we want to get into some of the narrative things, or if we want to do it at the very end after we cover some of these sections. But like, I have a lot of questions of the actual narrative of this video game, and maybe the two of you can clear it up for me. Well, yeah, let, let's let's do that at the end. Um, I want to give you real time to dive into that. Like like I said, the end will tie it all together. Um, I want to jump. I mean, like I really want to jump into this section on House Bienavento because um, you guys know this is my favorite section. Um, so this is where Ari really kind of takes a turn that I liked. It's very not Resident Evil-like. Basically, they created like a Silent Hill portion that really feels like uh, the game PT playable trailer. It's very popular playable teaser from like 2009. It feels like that. The halls are like that. They use the radio the same way. The hall goes from like white to red light, like everything. And then, of course, there's Baby, which we'll get into. Bienavento is, it's a psychological horror um, place. So as soon as you enter her house, uh, which is like a mansion, um, you, you, I mean, I guess you have your weapons in the beginning, but you have nothing to shoot. And soon your weapons get taken away for the whole segment. And it really turns into this puzzle solving and then psychological horror place. I loved it. It's flat out my favorite spot in the game. It's scary as all fuck. Man, did it scare me. Like, like pushing limits of decency i don't know i'm a fan of where they went but like this is not a game you can play with a six-year-old in the room and asking daddy 
what's that? Oh, daddy's just hiding from a giant fetus under the bed. It's like, you're going to fuck people's minds up. <laughs> so <laughs> I agree with you. This was a very cool section. Uh, it was quite refreshing after the castle, actually. But I, I don't understand. I don't really understand it. I don't understand why there's this fetus. Like, Rosie was born. So I, I know it's like, okay, I actually saw, I saw like this stupid Twitter argument. I don't even know who they, there's, you know, random tweets on some thread. Like some guy was arguing against another person saying, oh, it's cool that they're nodding to PT and this PT. And this other guy was like, this isn't, this is completely different from PT. Look at the fetus differences. It's like, okay, whatever, dude. Like clearly there's a lot of ties here. Like, I don't know why you're dying on this hill. But like I don't. So why is there a why is it there just a big fetus? Like they just I don't understand how that ties into like Rosie and stuff, or is it more something to do with Benvenido? So I, I think it has to do more with Ben Ben Benvenido. So if you read like or a, what I kind of gathered from it, I can't remember if there was like a note in there or something that I read, but essentially she or I think it was actually like the radio things that were playing. So he's basically hearing Mia having like saying i'm so sorry i had to do it and it's like his nightmare that she got rid of rose or got rid of a baby before her or something Uh and that uh it's supposed to be like his warped twisted like fear that like his baby wasn't born and then when you kill angie she said or you stab her she's like oh it would have been better if rose wasn't born she does say that off and stuff yeah yeah so i think it's like his fear and then like she's like kind of like latched onto that somehow i don't know if it's more an ethan thing or a uh benavido thing but it's hard to tell because ethan has no fucking personality other than being scared yeah so, okay i mean that i don't know that does make sense now there was one one thing that i noticed on the radio and obviously hindsight 2020 having already finished the game and, and knowing the outcome of it but there's there's a, a part on the radio where it's mia saying something like I'm so sorry I never told you I didn't want to split up the family. I'm so sorry. As if she's talking to Ethan about Ethan being a fucking mold person. So where and why and how does that come from anywhere? Even if it's from Ethan's head, that's not that's not that's not something Mia would ever have said to him. So like where is that coming from? Or is that like Ethan's subconscious again like knowing that he's a mold uh, person? Like I don't understand I that. I thought because... she was talking about having a an abortion. I thought she was saying, like, I, I didn't want to tell you I got rid of a baby. I was thinking along Marty's oh. lines. I could be wrong, but that that's where my mind went the whole time. Huh. Okay. Maybe then I was just, like, in a, in a, in a different frame of mind for that whole thing. Because, like, I immediately thought, like, she, she was talking about Ethan being a mold person. Because Mia knew, right? And eventually tells Chris right. at the end of the game. So that's where I mean, I guess that makes more sense. But it confused me. It confused me. So what I've heard, and this is like, this is like uniform, is the people that have deep dived into House Bienavento is like, obviously, Donna Bienavento, the Lord, she's physically weak. I mean, she's some like youngish woman with a doll. Um, so how she's trying to kill Ethan is by essentially giving him a heart attack. And if baby eats you, or she kills you in the final battle with her dolls, what you're actually doing is just dying of a heart attack from terror. So what she's trying to do is set up the worst possible situation for Ethan, which, yeah, a seven foot long bloody fetus of your daughter would probably lead me close to a heart attack as well. 
yeah um, especially certain parts of that so I, I get the logic the horror logic in that okay so then if that's the case then somewhere in their past marriage with ethan and mia's marriage they potentially had maybe mia had a miscarriage or something and then yes. finally they're, they're able to actually have rosie which would then only be because ethan is a mold man because ethan as ethan winters wouldn't would is unable to father a healthy child. Yeah, that could be. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Possible. It's a good theory. I really liked the mannequin of Mia on the table and you're like pulling her apart. Like that was really cool. That's cool the first time. And then the second time you're like, man, I want to get through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it would be a bit of a chore to get through the second time. I mean, I, I ended up showing uh, my wife the second time because I was like, you have to see how scary this part of this game is. And because we were playing it in the middle of the day and I was there, she's like, this isn't scary. And I was so <laughs> pissed off because it made me piss myself at like 1130 at night by myself. Mm. You know, made me regret my decision to play anything on with ray tracing. I know I've been telling you guys I won't play anything without ray tracing. But now, you know, I'm like, <laughs> OK, I, I want I want 240p on everything. <laughs> well, the most the terrible Just part, the fucking most terrible part about that giant fetus is as you're walking down the hallway before it's revealed you're following an umbilical cord on the ground that's so disgusting (laughs) it is and you know what's at the end of that cord is not going to be good exactly you're like what you have to oh shit i never i never saw that it's there's an umbilical cord on the ground it's bloody 25 feet long it's yeah it goes all the way it trails all the way to to it's yeah it's just (laughs) i mean yeah, it, it is a scary monster. And the sound design of that monster is, I think, half of it. Like, it's the perfect kind of creepy goo-goos and dadas to, like, scare you because they're, like, fucked up. Like, da 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 Because right. it, like, comes towards you. It reminded me of, like, it would be, it was it was akin to the sounds that a, a, a electronic doll would make. Like, the, the daddy, mm. daddy. Like, a, like, if you had one of those dolls, right, and you push it, and it makes another, like, that's kind of what it reminded me of, but it actually happened to be a, a, a huge fetus that wanted to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. And and the last thing it does is when it screams at you when you're leaving, and it's like, that is so disturbing when it's yeah. like approaching the elevator and you're going up and you can see down its like gullet. Yeah, yeah, you so. get like a, a an actual like close up, full on view of it in yeah. the elevator, yeah. Yeah, actually, that uh, it's interesting that elevator part is scripted i didn't feel that the first time around which which is credit to capcom i actually felt like i escaped it with like a second remaining Uh (laughs) it was pretty cool and even that small segment where they make you either choose to hide under the bed from it or in a closet that's basically going back to our primal fears as children of like hiding from the monster under the bed or in the closet yeah Honestly, I didn't know if I had done the right thing the first time around. Like, I knew obviously it was an option to go under the bed, but I I thought it might find me. And, like, you have to wait under the bed for, like, a minute, and you see this thing, like, yeah, 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 like, clomping around under the bed. So how, how do you get out if you hide in the closet? Uh, It goes away, eventually. But that's a, you, that's a dead end. It. How far do you have to wait for it to go away if you're in the closet? Because if you get in the bed, yeah, it goes around to the other side, you get out and you sprint. Um, it'll eventually turn back around and go away. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that simple. I did 
closet my second time through just to see what would happen. I did bed first time. Um, and like you sprinted out the other way. Closet, you just wait it out and he'll, she, she will turn around and leave. Huh. Yeah, I never risked the closet. Yeah, same. That seemed too terrifying. Same. <laughs> I just wanted to get the hell out of there. Boss fight there. Um, I love the uh, dolls when you're doing the final boss fight, moving their head. Uh, what what is what is that movie that I love so much? Jacob's Ladder that inspired Silent Hill. It that movie invented the rapid head bob thing and Ugh. all the dolls moving like that. I thought that was a really good homage. Interesting fight. How that works? It's very simple. It's like you if you don't find Angie quick enough, there's some sort of invisible timer where suddenly the dolls attack. I think if you touch too many dolls. It reduces that timer, and so they'll attack you quicker. That's one thing I found out. Oh, I never got attacked. I didn't even know that was a possibility in that fight. It's definitely timer-based, and I think the timer, like I said, has a few rules to it on reducing the time until you're attacked. I I was attacked a couple times, both both fights I did with her. Um, Actually, it was the second time through. I really had trouble finding Angie the second time. I don't know if she randomly goes places, but... Uh, I think it is different. Um, because, like, first time, upstairs first time, and then back downstairs in the living room second time, around, like, that half wall. Then for me the first time, she was down some other hallway, but uh, my second playthrough, she was actually in front of that room with all the junk in it that you can't even open. And then, like, I just killed mm. her there, so... I do think there's a few different places where she'll randomly go. But there are clues, I think, gives like where she's running and the direction that she runs. Like if you can... well, I heard there's sounds. The sound, yeah, changes like she will get, get closer. louder when you get closer to her. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it's a simple boss fight. It, you know, like I said, the boss fights are all underwhelming. But that one didn't bother me, given the fact that she had no weapons, anyways. And it was still pretty violent to be stabbing a doll with scissors. Yeah, it was gross too. Like it had like tentacle worm things coming out of its faces. The mask cracked and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, that's 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 because Donna Bianavento, her one mutation that is actually seen is it's over her um, right eye. She she kind of has a little tentacle thing going on there. Um, nobody's been able to explain this to me in the comment sections of YouTube. So, listener, when every boss dies, they leave a crystal version of themselves that can be sold for a lot of money to the Duke. Uh, when Donna dies, she leaves just Angie the doll. Which is fine, you sell it the same way, but she doesn't turn into a crystal. Which is the only lord not to, and I've always been interested by that. Ah, hmm. uh, yeah. I wonder if that's just like her essence going into the doll or something. Yeah, I had one comment that said like she spread her kadu too far and wide to like different dolls and stuff that she couldn't have enough kadu to crystallize. But even the whole crystallization mechanic isn't really explained by not this at game. All. Not at all. There's crystals all over this place. It's a thing because Rose is turned into a crystal. So this is another like horrific moment of the game, listener, that happens early on. Um, coming out of House uh, Dimitrescu, you you have this this flask, and Duke's like, "You're holding your daughter in your hand." You have her right there, and, and you're like, "What?" And then you wipe off some dust, and it says Rose's head, and <laughs> it's pretty horrific. You figure out you're actually too late to save your daughter. Uh, Mother Miranda, who's the boss of the game. Why haven't we mentioned Mother Miranda much so far? Because the game doesn't mention Miranda much until the very end. Yeah. So, but Mother Miranda broke her into different, crystallized her, broke her into different pieces, um, and can recombobulate her later, which she does. But it's still horrific when it first happens. So you're actually collecting the different parts of your daughter, um, to start. Yeah, it's fucked up. That was a really good reveal. Um, I'm like, 
Okay, yeah, I think, like my jaw dropped yeah. at that reveal. It was a really great reveal. Totally. Look, I and that the Duke does it. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay, I can't fucking not talk about the narrative of this film anymore. Now that we've brought this up, okay, okay, go, what go for the it. Go fuck for it. is your order of operations here? Okay, you start out with your wife, right? And one, the very beginning of the game, I fucking hate playing that again on a playthrough. Like, I don't look forward to playing more than a, another playthrough to just have to go through that part again because it's like slow and it's great. The first time is very atmospheric, especially when you're out in the woods after the crash, but. Your wife gets murdered by Chris Redfield. You and the baby get abducted. You get into an accident. The truck flips. Rose is gone. You're on your own. You get to a village, spend a couple hours in it, walk into a house, and then walk out the back door, and suddenly it's daytime. In that time, your baby has already been sacrificed, split up into four pieces, put into flasks, and one of the flasks gets incredibly fucking filthy like it's been sitting there for decades. What... How? 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 Where's what? Where's the time that literally they teleport this baby to Mother Randa and she had the butcher cleaver ready and chopped it into four pieces? Like, what the fuck? Because there was a ceremony to separate her. You saw flashes of it or whatever. So what's happening? Well, I wonder how long Ethan had been passed out. Well, it wasn't like he was passed out for 18 fucking hours. Well, I mean, I'm sure that these four, like, uh, lords have been just just waiting with their knives ready to like chop up baby so as soon as <laughs> yeah. mother miranda came she like gave them the call like they all they talk via like landline so i'm sure they, they were all waiting by their landline and just they got the call and they're like the baby's here guys like it's like when we get king's kitchen like we're all ready to go <laughs> and you know like yeah leland's gonna spill some of the sweet and sour pork just like uh heisenberg's gonna be a grump and uh you know fish face is gonna be annoying but uh you know and slovenly but at the end of the day like they're ready for it okay fine but here's okay what's so the other thing the existence of the lichens. We do learn that Moreau was doing experiments with Cadu, putting Cadu in villagers. But when you meet Luisa in the house with all the survivors, she's like, I don't, we don't know what happened. Mother Miranda takes care of us. And suddenly these monsters showed up and they started attacking everybody. There are hundreds of lichens, hundreds, literally hundreds of them made from townspeople. Hundreds of people have gone missing. Yes, but also maybe travelers and things like that. So I, I think um, up until that point, she'd probably be probably they'd been doing experiments, but they'd been keeping them like, you know, from stopping to attack the village. But for whatever reason, like Miranda has kind of like let that lapse. And I mean, obviously, you see in the one scene, she just straight up murders the one villager. So she doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Like, as soon as she... I think anything that was happening at that point was, like, a pretense of benevolence. It was just a, you know, waiting game until she got enough power to, you know, bring back her own child. Okay, because she's, like, grooming the lords to be the vessel for her kid, right? Like, to make a body strong enough to bring the kid back. That was, I think, the plan. And in Rose, she finally found that. Yes, a perfect And then it's like, well, we don't need to have these villagers to experiment on anymore. Fuck them. Let's let everything go to... Because I don't care. I'm getting my daughter back. It's basically Mother Miranda's thinking. Seemed like it, right? Like, it seemed like they hadn't... They might have had experience with some stuff. Because they said Mother Miranda keeps us safe. So maybe stuff had attacked before. But, like, up until that point, they... And they don't like the castle. Like, there's obviously, like, notes in the castle. They know Lady D is psycho. (laughs) 
Yeah, that if you go there and you're a woman, you better not fuck up or you're going to get turned into a ghoul. And if you're a man, you're going to get eaten. Right. So it's, you know, it's not a good situation. Man blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Elena knows there's only blood and death at the castle. She'd rather burn to death yes. than go to the castle. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome section. Just because, like, you think, like, oh, maybe she's going to be, like, the new Zoe or something. Like, you're going to have, she's yeah. going to tag along. And, like, Ethan even, like, tries to save her in his total, like, uh, replace Mia complex he has going on. Which he instantly latches <laughs> yeah. onto the yeah. female. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, well. <laughs> Next. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I, th- I mean, that was pretty stupid that she walks to her. I mean, yeah, he's, her dad says her name. But she just put two fucking shotgun shells into the dude. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, what an idiot. Oh, it, it, it very much fits the uh, the quality of the writing. For sure. <laughs> um, some of, at some point, we got to get into the one-liners. And I know there really haven't been too many for the first two zones. But let's not forget the one-liners, especially when we, when we get to Heisenberg's part. <laughs> or or what uh, Ethan says when he kills Moreau. That's That's a pretty good one, too. Yeah, that's my that's oh my, my favorite God. one in the game, for sure. <laughs> Let's jump into Moreau, because honestly, out of all the segments, this is the one I'm most interested in your guys' opinion on, because I didn't know it until today, five minutes before recording, Leland says, I hate Moreau, I hate it so bad. Well, Leland, go off. Why do you hate Moreau? I love his segment. It's my third favorite segment. I'll explain <laughs> it's why. It's your third favorite segment of a four-segment game. That's really fucking great praise, Moby. Okay. <laughs> Okay, fine. Well, the, the, the final boss is behind him as well. I just don't like... And the okay, stronghold the str- is... Oh, okay, that's a fair point. I don't like fighting Moreau. I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like that boss fight. It pisses me off. I die every time I do it. Some For some reason, I spend 20 minutes fighting him and then I die. And then I the second time I come back and I beat him in like less than 10. I don't understand what or how. I don't get it. Uh, I, I just don't like his fight. I don't like the... I don't know. It's just like, it just feels like a fucking more of an ammo sink than Lady D does. I I mean, I don't mind walking around his section, although I hate it's annoying moving so slow over the sections that are partially covered in water. But I, I guess they do that to like make it feel tense. Like you're about to get eaten, but you never do. Can you even, I guess if you stand there and stand still, I assume. Oh yeah. I got eaten once. I've never died more in this game, both playthroughs, than I've died what? at Moreau. Come on. I, I die all the fucking time at Moreau. Let me guess the sections in which you die. You die in the sections where you have to push the switches and have the platforms raise. Okay, yes, because yes. I definitely died yes. there a couple times. Because, okay, that that is my biggest problem of the section. So, listener, the thing is, Moreau's kind of the aquatic guy. Um, what you have to do is, uh, basically, it's all about draining the reservoir so you can actually fight him. But the power is out to the dam, so you can't raise the sluice gates to drain it. So you have to jump to these two windmills that are over a flooded area uh, to do do a couple things. You really need to just get a crank to reconnect some things and some power. Um, But for a long part of the section to get to the windmills, you have to go on, you have to run on junk. You have to raise platforms, which are sparking electricity into the water. I don't know how that doesn't shock you or do something, but they're sparking everywhere and that kind of puzzle part is cool the problem i have is that moreau who's like this fish monster swimming around until you memorize his pattern by failing which is what i had to do i just kept getting eaten over and over 
Because I'm like, oh, platforms are up. I'll run across. He eats me. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I have to wait five seconds here. Then I get two platforms ahead. What? No, 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 no. And for some reason for me. Okay, so I don't. The problem. No, I think he eats you when the the platform goes into the water. He immediately eats you. Like if if you. No. uh, Ah. I yes, because when I, I literally just played it. I, so you you get to the section right. You raise them. You get to the other section where you have to flick the white switch right to go the opposite way in this three fork. Right. I flicked all the switches. Yep. And then I flicked them all again, so I got the most time, and I just booked it across. I didn't get eaten. I got eaten right after that. So a bunch of times. So then you're walking on some floating wood, and he would eat me there, and I'd have to memorize uh, when he would jump oh, across. Okay. There, I, there's yeah. one section where when you start walking, he comes yeah. in front of you. Yes, and then if you don't step back, he, right. he eats yeah, you yeah, there too. Yeah. But that's that's so he caught me on all of those. Oh, interesting. And okay. and it could just be me being bad, but I felt like it was the old Japanese gaming trope, like even what they would do in their old two D shooters, where it's like you have to memorize patterns. You have to be like, oh, okay, I gotta go, and then step back, or else he'll eat me. And I felt like I was doing. Oh, that. okay. <laughs> Yeah, but Moby is, like, the epitome of, like, the bad gamer reviewing games. Like, you know, like, this this part you, you're dying on because it's the only part in the game where you instantly die. You know, you don't have your your 1,000 health to keep you alive. Like, the fish instantly kills you. And I think he's a little bit of an homage to Del Lago from RE4. I mean, yeah. he has when, to when, uh, when we walked in and I saw the place flooded and we got in a boat, I'm like, oh, my fuck. Are you going to tell me I'm doing this again, <laughs> this RE4 bullshit again? The, uh, and thankfully, it's, it is, it's different. Like, obviously, it's way different. It's vastly different, it different. than the Del Lago fight in RE4. Yeah, like, yeah. It really has nothing to do with it. And, and the boat rides like three, three exactly. seconds Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really quick. <laughs> So I mean I just I don't like I don't I just didn't like the boss fight of Moro. It is I just felt like it was I don't know I just had trouble with it for some reason I, I don't know. It's the most traditional I would say of the four boss fights. I mean he's you know climbing around a kind of maze like circular area where there's some explosive drums you can hit to cause additional damage to him. He felt like the most kind of re boss to me. He was, as a character, the least compelling of the lords because he's pretty much just a stupid fish man. It's like, oh, mother, I want to impress you. Yeah. And that's him. That's literally all that Moreau mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I had to turn on subtitles so I could actually hear his, what he was actually <laughs> saying because it's like so just hard to pick out his voice. Mm-hmm. So on the second playthrough, I turned on the subtitles. Um, you know, for me, it was probably my least favorite area overall, I guess. I mean, it's not that I disliked it, it's just that compared to everything else, it was probably the least interesting. Uh, the boss fight itself, I actually enjoyed, especially on hardcore. I found it suitably challenging, uh, especially at that point in the game. You know, it was getting pretty easy. Like there wasn't really a ammo shortage or anything like that. And that boss fight, I had to actually like conserve a little bit. Um, he does take too much damage, though, honestly. Like I had to use every single barrel in that area to kill him on hardcore and um but i only ended up dying maybe once what's that line when you kill him and he expands and explodes that you love so much marty i, I know you've got a memory oh yeah what ethan says <laughs> he died like he lived disgusting <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's a lame uh lame line there i think that this section gets the least attention really i think moreau in general seems like he gets the least attention totally. right? like he's almost like a throwaway totally uh, you know because other than 
I don't know. I guess you could maybe say the same about Donna, but like Donna's entire area is a reflection of Donna. Uh, where, whereas Moreau, like just cause he's a fish bro, you're in a flooded area. That feels like it's, it's a throwaway. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's honestly more to do in the village after Moreau than there is to do in the area with Moreau. Yeah, actually that's, that, that's a good point. I don't know, maybe in some DLC they could flesh out Moreau and Donna more. I, I would be open to that. I would probably pay for that depending on what the DLC uh, ends up as. Um, I think Donna gets... I think Donna is even fleshed out less than Moreau, but because her place is so cool and has the PT vibes and is so well designed that she she almost gets a pass because her estate is so interesting. Where, whereas the reservoir isn't that interesting. It's this bunch of junk floating yeah. around. So uh, there's a... Sorry, before we move on, there's a lot of points in this game where level design doesn't make any sense. And most of it is when there's like a cutscene and you're running around. The first instance is actually in Castle uh, Dumbatresk when you get caught by Heisenberg at the first switch, right? And you're taken to the Four Lords. Then you, you're in this room with all of them and you, you come around back to that same place but where is that room in the castle that room is nowhere in the castle but presumably it's in the castle and mother miranda's there so like you're running around this castle and everyone's there like they were just all there so i don't know where that room is and then another thing in moreau's area is when you're when you you first push a big cart thing into the water so it floats and you can move around then you continue on yes because it like floats ahead of you and you need a second one and it continues on and I don't know if maybe I'm just confused by the map, but on my second playthrough, it still confused me because you, you, you move on, you go do all those platform things we were talking about. You come back around to what looks like the exact same spot, push another cart that is just sitting there for some reason, and it falls into the second slot. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So what I think that is, is I think you're actually on a slightly higher elevation when you come around the second time, but it's... I couldn't tell either you know i wanted to almost replay it again to see what the fuck was going on because the second time i played it i noticed the exact same thing yeah. I'm like wasn't i just here pushing this in right so i don't know if that was an oversight or if that was actually like just really weird sort of like um you know point of view that you're like mm. above where you were previously either way it was kind of a weird decision honestly yeah strange because because then you fully jump down there right and then you move on to the next yes. section there's a <laughs> Before okay, uh, now that we're on that topic, so there's two other instances of things that I had. So in the in the very beginning, where you meet the old man, right, and he gives you your handgun finally, then you get pulled down to the basement and you get attacked. You get pulled through the floor of that cabin of that house, and then you get attacked in the basement, thrown through a wall that's above the floor of the basement you're in, and you're suddenly outside. And then of course you go back in and there's no hole in the floor that you fell through in the basement. But where the fuck is the basement? <laughs> like where do you literally got thrown oh, through yeah. reality again? That's, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's for it's for ease, it's for the sake of levels. I mean, like it's the easiest thing they could have done, but it just it's weird to me. I don't know. And then in the part with the the RE4 like chainsaw-ish fight, chainsaw guy-ish fight, right? Where you're waiting for the bell to toll. That's I because I started a new game plus on hardcore, so I have my weapons. So I'm sitting in this in the very original uh, house you go into where you can move the shelf in front and the radio's in there, right, telling you to go see Louisa. I'm just sitting there fighting guys, and eventually I I don't know if I ran out of the time or I killed enough people, but I'm literally in the top floor of this attic. 
an air the arrow animation gets into my leg. I get suddenly a lichen's in front of me. He grabs me and he throws me through the wall, like through the house, literally through reality, out outside into the water in a whole nother area. <laughs> and then you get the big lichen jumping what? down and you get that whole cutscene. Like I wasn't even anywhere uh, near where the end of that thing ends up. <laughs> I just got picked up, thrown through the crazy. house. That's crazy. It was so weird. It was so weird. That is weird. I'd love to. Have if you seen if that. you hold up on that house, I'm sure I guarantee you it'll probably happen. So weird. Yeah, I guess that's just a thing that happens when you try to blend cutscenes with uh, gameplay yeah. like that, eh? Like that you can really only do so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I mean, otherwise I would have just stayed in that house indefinitely until I ran out of ammo and died. So what then was the purpose of the segment? That's not the purpose of that segment. The purpose is to outlast it. But even then, like, the way that I was doing it wasn't really me outlasting it. So uh, apparently you can kill the big bad wolf guy there. There's, like, a, an achievement thing where you get points for it if you kill him in that sequence. Yeah, apparently. I'm pretty sure he did that my second time. Yeah, so you definitely couldn't out. on a new game, that's for sure. No, definitely. No, no, no. New Game Plus, yeah, I think. Especially if you have, like, Magnum Ammo. Although, mm-hmm. on, I mean, I knew gamed on Hardcore. If I knew gamed on Standard, I probably wouldn't have been such a big uh, big deal. But I used all my Magnum on Mother Miranda. So I even in that new game, I had no, like, I was still low on ammo, even just starting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get to the uh, the fourth segment, the one with the Lord that's the most fleshed out. <laughs> Ethan. We need to ally to save Rose together. Heisenberg. I like that Heisenberg wanted to ally with you. At least that's different. It is interesting. He's got a lot of personality. Like, for whatever reason, Capcom really spent a lot of effort fleshing him out way more than the other lords. His area, his section feels long, too. Very long. Seems like it's two of the, it could be the first and second section combined in amount of time. Leland knows I don't like the fact that you basically have to run through a second dungeon, a.k.a. the stronghold, just to prove yourself to Heisenberg. I'm like, prove yourself for what? You want to kill him anyways. But I guess you got to go through the motions and get the flask, which is there. So that's super important. And then you hit the factory, which is the longest dungeon of the four anyways. So it really is a long segment. I mean, I like Heisenberg as a character. Um, Listener, I've like... Like, the voice actors from this game are really popular, and they do a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos um, where they're interviewed. And uh, Heisenberg was actually modeled after Nick Cage, which I thought was <laughs> awesome. Um, I saw the actor, voice actor say that. And uh, you can totally see it. But he's not scary, but he's a lot of fun. Like, he's very interesting, is he not? No, he's definitely not scary. Like, his, his motivations... Yeah, his motivations are interesting, and they're, at least they're different, right? Like, they're not the exact same. Although you don't really get the motivation of uh, the second and third lords, really. They're just kind of henchmen, more so. Uh, I mean, kind of, you get Moreau, like, he wants to be loved, basically. Yeah, but so does Lady D. True. Lady D wants to but be the favorite. she also cares about her daughters. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah, I guess they all kind of do, right? They're all sucking up, except for Heisenberg, who wants to, like, take over. Yeah. Um, that whole section is long, you're right, especially having the stronghold before. And then right before that, you can do a lot of the optional stuff as well. So it's a lot of combat-heavy stuff um, right before the end of the game, um, which is very typical of these RE games. But in general, I thought that the factory itself was one of my favorite areas. It was really different. It reminded. It was kind of like the spiritual successor to the uh, island 
portion yeah, of RE4, yeah. right? Like, it had the <laughs> armored enemies, and then it took that to, like, the nth degree with, like, Terminator-esque enemies, which was really fun. I really liked that vibe. Yeah, it was combining, like, the um, uh, the regenerators with the armored people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I didn't actually even think of that. I think, I think yeah, I think Heisenberg's place is my second favorite, uh, other than the castle. Well, now that I think about it, I don't know. The The problem is, like, these areas, like, with the, the longer areas, like the castle and, and Heisenberg's factory, they overstay their welcome. Because at the very beginning, when you're first fighting the souped-up, like, vamps, I guess they're the, the vampire. They're not the Lycan, they're the vampire model. That, you know, some of them have, like, robotics on their heads, so headshots are less effective until you burst the shit off or whatever. So it's just a way for them to make the enemies more difficult near the end of the game. But when you first got to fight the, the the dudes with, like, the, the chest thing and you're like, shooting electric things and shocking them, like, I really honestly felt like Kyle Reese trying to kill the Terminator in yes. the Terminator at the end of the factory. Like, re- like really shone for me. I'm like, whoa, this is fucking awesome. And then... You 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 meet one with the weaknesses on their back, like a Garador, and then you meet one that's basically a walking tank, and it's like, okay, here's all my grenade launchers. Is that Sturm? No, no, it's Is it's like Sturm one of the with two that head? when the factory's all dark, you're nearing the end. They're just like the really really heavily armored ones. Okay. At gotcha. that point, I'm like, this is just fucking stupid. Like you see the first one, I'm like, whoa, this one's ah, and it's in a it's in a openish area, but then the second one is in like this tiny little hallway. It just on my first playthrough it just fucking wrecked me and then I had to go all the way back and beat and fight both of them. I had to do a lot of that section over again to get to the last like checkpoint that it had auto saved at. And it pissed me off. <laughs> and I'm like I'm so fucking tired of this place. I want to get the fuck out of here. And the Sturm fight with the cuz he's just a dude with a jet engine for a face. <laughs> but he's kind of like Garador. Because he'll charge you, yeah. stick in a wall, and you got to shoot he him is in the like, back. I like uh, that. an overcharged Garador. I don't know. It was fine, I guess. <laughs> like, I didn't die fighting him at least. I, so. I like that fight. I liked it because they explain him as he's just like a useless failure, and he like cuts his own arms off. So. He cuts his own arms off with his <laughs> propeller head. The ridiculousness of this yeah, game is it, just It really amazing. is at some points. And, like, Heisenberg's yelling at Sturm at the beginning. He's, like, trying to talk to Ethan, and Sturm is, like, revving up. And Heisenberg's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and just, like, you know, puts this grating on. Yeah, and you're wondering, you're like, like what the fuck is going to be down there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is he talking Your funeral. <laughs> Go. <laughs> you're pretty good at that voice. That's a really good impression of Heisenberg, yeah. That's a great impression. I I will make him Heisenberg impressions as I'm playing the game with him. I'll mimic him because I find his voice amazing. I, I do want to point out that uh, I think they stole the idea of the Duke from Moby because you've been play, role-playing as Duke Mobai for years, and I always envision that Duke Mobai is essentially the Duke. <laughs> Pretty much. Obese, smoking, very unhealthy. Reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> and a merchant usually like a rich sort of like wealthy yeah. sort of character right i'm an expert at many alcohol modifications <laughs> do would you like my fine pig that's, for your booze concoction too <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Marty, bring me these meats. I will make Porsche de Rocher. Ah, uh, let me drink. You, know you know what's funny about that is the recipe that takes the fine pig is actually the recipe that uh, Mother Miranda Mia is cooking for you at the very beginning of the game. When she mentions, because she said, what is it, like pork de circa or something. She says like that. She yeah. makes, yeah, she's oh, man, making that's that so for true. you. Oh, it's a local recipe, so it's oh. that's pretty cool. And of course, you're drinking like uh, Lady D's wine too. Wow. Okay, I, I changed my score. Ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you are drinking Lady D's wine. Yeah, oh, yeah, that is good. so true. There's so many good Easter eggs, like how Dolvi beer is randomly all mm-hmm. over like Romania. Dolby beer from Louisiana, Jack stuff. And you guys found um, your segments. You found that extra cage where if you take the boat backwards from the drawbridge, you can get a, a coin yeah. from the, the mansion. Yeah, I found Louisiana. that, yeah. Okay. You just sell it, right? It's just treasure. Okay. That was a good little spot. You just sell it, but the, the finest fish is there as well. He's like in a little fish. And if I recall correctly, back there is uh, you find a cave with some gear from Chris Redfield's men and the like the big tree tendril root thing of the the big kadoo thing or whatever you find story there yep in an optional area in an area that you could miss yeah yeah and i noticed that and i was like wait this is optional but this is the most story i've gotten the last five hours so what's going on speaking of optional i think the butcher fight is one of my favorite optional parts of the game because it's uh it's very uh atmospheric and it doesn't really fit with anything else at all but it's scary and it's a hard fight like it's actually a, a tough yeah boss fight. the butcher fight uh, the the um the guy that runs the sawmill but he's also a butcher the guy we said is conan uh don't you remember he's like completely his back's blanking. turned to you and he's chopping oh the big ogre dude did you fight him yeah yeah the sawmill. one of them okay yes okay oh i didn't know that was that's the that his name's just the butcher I, he's yeah, I guess, I guess. It, I think the uh, treasure is called like the butcher's treasure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a cool fight because near the end of it, like the flying vampires come in too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a cool fight, and the rewards are pretty good for that fight too. There's actually a lot of ammo there, mind you. I was playing on easy mode, so we'll see what happens when I play in a harder mode. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's a hard fight. Like he, he can really, really fuck you up. Yeah. He's really mobile. I got a question for you guys, what you did, because I playing on an easier difficulty, which is the Moby meme, which is completely true. There were so many doors in Heisenberg's factory that had the red lights that you had to shoot out to open the door. And a lot of the doors had like five lights. Like, did you and Marty literally take your knife out (laughs) and slash every light? I did. Yeah. Oh, on hardcore I did. On normal I did not. I I did on my standard playthrough. Yeah, it makes sense to conserve, but it's also kind of time consuming. Well, I mean, I'm, I didn't. Get I assume about that. that Moby was opening all the boxes with the shotgun as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I didn't. The my first playthrough, I didn't use block because I didn't realize what it did. I guess I didn't block an RE7 either because I had the same fucking thing. It's literally the exact same control scheme, right? And I kept my knife as one of the four quick change weapons so I could just quickly change to it and open boxes instead of walking up to the box and hitting X on it to automatically slash it. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that, that's what happens in a Resident Evil game, um, I think. Let's, uh, let's dive into the Heisenberg boss fight, though. 
stupid. That, that's a pretty memorable it's fight. Dumb. It's stupid, but it's it, fun. It's stupid. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite yeah, fight of the game. It it doesn't feel like it requires a lot of skill somehow. It feels more like cinematic and you're just almost like a walking simulator boss fight. Yeah. Right? Because you can block infinitely. You have a chainsaw as a blocker and sure makes cool sparks when Heisenberg... So listener, Heisenberg basically, he's like Magneto. He controls metal. So he basically makes himself into a giant like four-legged spider mech. He does say one of the best lines in the game, which is like, you know... You know, I'll kill you first, and then the boulder-punching asshole. Or something <laughs> similar to that. Reference to... That's what I like. It's like Capcom has learned that when Chris Redfield literally pushes, punches a giant boulder out of the way in Resident Evil 5, that that's such a big thing. But if you never played the games, you and you were to listen closely, you'd be like, sorry, what's the boss saying about a boulder-punching asshole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't know what the fuck <laughs> who punches or who boulders. he's talking about. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, it got me, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that fight is just absolutely crazy. Like, the, the end of the fight, you're thrown up in the air in, like, a fucking cyclone. And you have this plastic tank that the Mag- that Heisenberg can't somehow control, even though he built it. He, like, built a weapon to fight himself. And you're in midair, like, like swimming in air. And you have to grab your tank and, like put yourself in the seat in midair and shoot him one more time. It's a really ridiculous fight, to be quite honest. <laughs> it is. And it, it's honestly a letdown. I, I was kind of like, I, like I liked the Moreau fight because it was a typical RE, you know, final fight. And I was expecting something pretty cool like that. Because, you know, the final, final RE fights tend to suck. Yeah. So I was expecting this one would be like the good one. And it was pretty pretty much a bummer especially after you've played it once once you played it once you certainly never want to play it again yeah good good kind of cutscene with chris right before where you actually start to figure out some of what's going on where chris sounds really emo he's always like ethan no why didn't you stay away and all this kind of stuff and what's weird too is like i felt like the you have to click your mouse and hold it to mount the tank and head into the final battle i felt like it was a really long timer like, it was like a 15-second, very slowly moving timer. Like, do you really want to board the tank? Do you really want to get on the tank? Do you want to? I was like, am I missing something? Yeah. No, you're, you're right about that. It was excessively slow. And, uh, by the way, this is something you guys could help me out live. Um, There's ball puzzles in the game, which give you kind of decent treasures. You kind of have to roll a ball through this intricate maze. I found the balls for one, two, three. I've never found the ball for Heisenberg. You have to, you find a ball mold, like you do for some of the other key items in that area, and you have to go and oh. put it into the the metal machine thing. Interesting. Yeah, and it's kind of a hidden area. If I, I forget it's where it kind is, kind of like um, tucked away in a bit of a in a bit of a corner somewhere. Because I remember it's almost like you could almost miss it on the map if you weren't really paying close attention. And I did the yeah. first time. Yeah. Yeah, and I missed it both times. So that's there's also another section with the um, there's like a closed off room, and there's like the uh, one of the um, mechanical guys in there, the Terminators, and you have to like wake them oh, up. Oh yeah, to, like, you gotta shoot them because the there's no other way in. And I, yeah, and I missed that the first time. I too. I was walking I was walking around that place for 20 minutes where I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, maybe I wake this bro up, and I shot him, and he he wakes up, and then he busts. He, yep breaks down the fence chasing you and then you kill him and you can get in there and get the treasure 
Okay, that's cool. Now that makes me really want to do my third run through. By the way, Moby, that last ball puzzle is bullshit. <laughs> oh, is it? So oh, really? I got the ball, but I never did the puzzle because yeah, I guess I was like I said, I was just I wanted to get through, and I didn't realize it was like right behind you on the fourth level or something, like by the Duke. Totally. Yeah, it's very exactly. Easy to I, I completely just blanked on it, so I never actually did it. It took me, it took me probably forty five. What? Minutes, oh honestly. no! It was Wow. Do you get something special having done all four ball puzzles? No, you don't even get an achievement. No. (laughs) Jeez. Achievement's where it's at. That's what gets you your infinite ammo and super guns. Dang. You know, speaking of achievements, the achievements for this game are really stupid. Have you guys looked at them at all? Yeah. They feel like non-intuitive achievements, if that makes any sort of sense. It's like just weird shit you have to do. And it's like, oh, I, I guess I did that. But it doesn't seem very intuitive. I looked at some of them. Uh, I don't know if I looked at all of them. I, a lot of them are like, beat this boss in X amount of time. Yeah, there's a few of those, right? Yeah. Um, but mo- a lot of them are like, there's a limited amount of health items. There's, uh, y- you only spend up to 10 grand. and But the worst one is you beat the whole game with just the fucking knife. How the fuck could you possibly do that? I guess if you get the super block thing, but even then, <laughs> you just be like knife block, knife I block, guess knife it block. Easy. I I don't know. I don't know how you do that. It's not going to be something I I go after. Let's let's move on. So after the four lords, um, you get uh, well. We actually got to get into a big spoiler. We've kind of danced around a little bit. Um, I actually thought this was cool. So listener, the meme is is like. Ethan Winters just takes a ton of punishment. He keeps getting his arm. I think he has like one foot that was not cut off in Resident Evil 7 and 8. Like he keeps losing his arms and legs and like, like there's one part in Resident Evil 8 where his hand gets cut off on like, like a a latch. And so he has to pull down his own hand with this other latch. And it's really ridiculous how much punishment he can take. And what you actually find out is that he died about 15 minutes into his first game, Resident Evil 7. He There's that famous moment where uh, Jack Baker from that game uh, punches him to the ground and then stomps his face and goes, Welcome to the family, son. And actually, that's the moment that Ethan was killed. And what they do is they bring him to the mansion in that game, somehow combine him with the mold so it regenerates him. But Ethan doesn't actually know that he's like a mold monster for years, this whole time. But it totally explains why he can take this horrific amount of punishment that is almost comical. And there's also some pretty cool, like, hints to it, too. Like, Lady D sucks his blood in the beginning of her section. She goes, ooh, Mm -hmm, it's stale. mm -hmm. Which you never really catch on to, but when you understand later that Ethan's dead, because... What happens is you finally meet Mother Miranda. You don't even know who the fuck Mother Miranda is or why she's important this whole time, except that she's the leader of the Bad Lords. And she pulls out Ethan's heart. And it starts off this big, long, typical end-of-game Resident Evil cinematic segment where Ethan's kind of in this weird, like, psychological purgatory. And he sees Evelyn, who's the bad girl from the first game, which is actually a dysfunctional clone of Eva who is Miranda's daughter that she's been trying to bring back alive. You find out her daughter died in like the 1920s Spanish flu, obviously didn't double mask. (laughs) Um, So she's trying to bring back her daughter. 
And so you see Evelyn and Evelyn basically explains to you that you've been dead this whole time. He actually flashes back to the Baker mansion and Jack killing you and dragging your body and everything like that. Um, so Ethan actually doesn't need his heart to survive. He kind of picks himself up and uh, heads to the final part of the game. Well, the Duke takes you. Or the Duke the, the Duke yeah. takes you, yeah. The, the Duke yeah. saves your ass. That's when you find out the Duke doesn't even know who he is. Right. <laughs> which is which is weird. Um and there's a cool saying there's uh Duke saying I'm trying to type this in Owl Resident Evil 8. There's like some Latin in the back of the Duke's uh uh thing, I don't know. I can't find it here easily. But it actually is a pretty cool set uh uh, line anyways i should have looked that up i have another plot question i have another plot question before we move on another so mother miranda she's a shapeshifter turns out mother miranda is actually has been mia the whole time so the mia we see chris kill is actually mother miranda she yes. was the one that caused the fan crash with ethan and shit right she because she posed as a corpse and came back mid transit why does she pose as the old lady and why does she need because the old lady like i don't know what the old lady really does like the old lady doesn't help ethan you just see the old lady a few times throughout the village but that there's a comment from louisa saying when they're talking about the crazy old lady louisa says but that woman's devotion keeps her safe so that old lady then like mother miranda is posing as that old lady a lot or potentially lives as that old woman in the village if though all these villagers know who she is so why what's up with that so that i think is one of the least well explained parts of the story for sure if anything she's just like spying on the village but what i got kind of got from it with her and ethan is she's kind of pushing you along throughout yeah. the story and it kind of fits with heisenberg's theory that he she she wants you to kill the lords basically like you're almost replacing them yeah but like it's it doesn't make any sense like okay so Ethan, she needs Ethan to kill the lords to then re-retrieve the flasks to put them together so Mother Miranda can resurrect her kid. Then why were they separating given the lords in the first place? I don't understand this. I mean, you could hand wave it and be like, oh, it's part of a ceremony or whatever, but like that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I agreed. It doesn't make any sense. I, I What I kind of got from it was that at least with her like pushing Ethan along, it was to her for him to like see if he could overcome the lords, but in terms of the flasks, it makes zero sense. I could see her just being tired of the Lords. Like, I mean, especially now with Rose, she doesn't need them at all. So why, why keep them around? Who cares? She's, she's getting what she has wanted for a century. Well, and I think that's Heisenberg's point. Clearly. He's like, well, when you kill me, now what? Right? And she, she clearly views them as experiments, not as her children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, she's letting her experiments do experiments for her. Because, like, Moreau, Moreau yeah. experiments and makes the lichens. <laughs> Heisenberg's making robot vamps. Robot vamps or whatever, right? Which are really for his rebellion, which is kind of cool, too. Miranda yeah, thinks I do like for that. Her. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, a lot of it just doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. No, the narrative structure of this game is is not great. It's it's very not great i mean it's fun but it's not great at all yeah if you have problems with with, with plot holes then this game is not for you honestly <laughs> they're not plot holy enough where you're gonna fall through them and it really affects the game all that much like it's a fucking res it's a, the ridiculousness of the game is you got to take it with a grain of salt so 
true. Unless you're in an attic somewhere and you fall exactly. through Exactly. You get thrown or pissed through reality out into the mud. What I like about <laughs> Ethan's hand getting cut off, he puts it attached. Like, even the jacket and his shirt reattaches. So for the rest of the game, there's like a little line where his clothes reattached to yeah. <laughs> I saw that. So, like, his whole, everything he wears is also mold person? Like, how does he get naked? He doesn't. I guess the clothes are just like a representation of like his body, like something he just creates. But he fucked Mia. So how does Mia know he's he's a mold man? Because of Mia's connection when she was with Evelyn, I guess. Mold man. Mold, mold man. man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Well, but he's really he's honestly legitimately a moron. So like he could very True. well like have like like almost no brain function going on because. But... <laughs> He seems to single-mindedly just be focused on keeping Rose alive. Like, that's all he cares about. Right. Well, yeah, maybe Ethan, pre-Louisiana, had a lot of personality. And we only had 20 minutes with him. And from then on, we've seen Mold Ethan. So no wonder he's a cardboard person. Yeah, I'm pretty mm. sure he had no personality to begin with. And this is just <laughs> a accurate continuation of that fact. That's true. Because if you look at the family from RE7, like, they're all like... Their personalities like turned to eleven after they became mold people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So Ethan was probably like a mild mannered, kind of generally boring person, <laughs> and it just turned him into an extremely boring person. Yeah, that's Whereas, right. Whereas <laughs> like Mia, which you know, like Mia was kind of like a kind of feisty and turned her into like a savage like psychopath when she was infected. Right. Well, you know what I you know what I love is like. I have no idea who Mia as a person is because every time we see Mia, she's either infected or Mother Miranda. <laughs> Until you see that she's Mother Miranda has her captured and she mentions that they were doing experiments on her. What experiments could they possibly uh, be doing on Mia? Why is she there? That's a good question. I have no idea. There's also the fact that Mia for these games has been a member of the collective, which is like this international mafia criminal organization. So it's like, yeah, hi, honey. I just, you know, committed international fraud, but I brought back the bread. It's like, yeah. Mia, who are you? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, she is. I I saw this funny thing, which is that in uh, both games, literally every young woman that Ethan meets is better wife material than Mia. Um, <laughs> See, I don't get kind of go through I don't all the nice where this hate for he... Mia comes from, because we don't know Mia. Like, I... <laughs> Okay, but she's led to this whole thing happening. She was escorting Evelyn and led to the whole first game. Okay, so... Now, in the second game, maybe she's a bit more innocent. And he has a, a glorified nanny. It's not her fault. <laughs> it's not a nanny when you work for the collective. <laughs> These are clearly criminals. Look, there are so many different organizations in this fucking game. I don't know who any of them are. Like, Umbrella is, like... <laughs> there's, like, Red Umbrella and Blue Umbrella. There's, like, the BSAA. I don't know who any of these people are. But apparently the BSAA <laughs> is dropping zombies into the village. For, for whatever reason. Yeah, that too. Which goes nowhere yet. Right. But yeah, that it's was something. A, that, had no, that had no purpose. No. But what should have happened is we should have had zombies in this game. There should have been a short section with zombies. And then like a lichen or something should have came in and just like tore the zombies to pieces or something. I don't know. Like we should have seen. Oh, a, that would have been cool. There should have been like more lead up to that. Because then you would have been like, well, wait a second. Where the fuck are these zombies coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been neat, even as the, like the Chris Redfield segment, if there was uh, some zombies. Hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because like, okay, so do you, either of you know what the BSAA is? Like what? They're like the bioweapon counter organization or something, right? Like, Yeah, there, there's something like that. They're to counter bioweapons, but what surprises Chris is now they've obviously, used, they, they've grown bioweapons that look like mini Mr. X's of like normal size to now fight bioweapons. Right. Fight fire with fire. Which they're going to go somewhere with that. Fight fire with fire. It's it's so so. Chris works for Blue Umbrella. Yes, because because like um, there's a t- umbrella split, and then there's a good umbrella now, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Blue Umbrella, and him and his wolf dog squad or whatever, <laughs> like an almost like independent brigade under them. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I there's a lot of confusion from where this this game goes. Like as far as like like you said, what organization is with what. Um, I like, I thought Chris's crew was pretty cool. I thought his segment where he's going through the town and they're supporting him and like doing supply drops or helping him with like aerial assaults, airstrikes and stuff like that. That was kind of a cool segment. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, like, I'll just chime in real quick here. I, I honestly thought that was probably my least favorite part of the game just because it's, feeding into that re trope that i hate so much where it starts getting just all action all the time and the only part i really really liked about it that made me feel like a total badass was the part when you're you that you first enter inside a building as chris and he throws on the night vision and then you like two uh, uh lichens pop out and you just totally light him up with the machine gun and that was pretty fucking cool, cause like it just made you feel like a total tank. But then you get swarmed anyways, and you're you're basically in the same position you were as Ethan. You just have a machine gun this time, right? And it's worse. And it's worse because it has no stopping power. I didn't like the part where you have exactly. to call in the strikes on on like the Mother Miranda vine or whatever the hell that was. Like, oh yeah, that was hard. Like that was I had difficulty with that on just standard. There's just so many. Yeah, have fun with that on hardcore. Right? There's so many of the <laughs> of the fucking lichens. And you have this this fucking pea shooter, right? Like, as far as they're concerned. Yeah. It's like you're shooting with a BB gun. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Yeah. It uh, it was kind of, I, I guess I would describe that segment as like a distraction. You kind of go through it and you're like, that was all cotton candy. You know, that, that wasn't like, you know, it was fine. And yeah, you know, Chris is a badass and we're Chris. But uh, really all it does is just get you to the, I can't even pronounce the name. The giant brain thing mushroom. Yeah, yeah it, it is cotton candy because it's all substance or it's all fluff and no substance. That's right. It's all fluff. <laughs> it's all cotton candy. It really doesn't take the, the story anywhere. But but like where, where I'm really trying to get to is Mother Miranda at the end where you finally figure out who the fuck she actually is, which really she's this like just everyday Joe woman who made herself a scientist because she's trying to revive her daughter who died because of the Spanish flu. But that's, that's her only concern really is reviving her daughter. But she by chance met Spencer, who's one of the three founders of Umbrella. And she basically trained him and mentored him. And there's like her lab, which injects, like I said earlier in this episode, 80% of the, the story into this game you just crawl around her lab and there's all these letters and pictures and spencer's there and she's talking about her daughter and evelyn being a failure i mean which is cool it's it's, i don't even know if it's cool but like supposedly the umbrella symbol with the white and the red actually represents the four lords that have 
you know, taking care of this valley. And so Spencer just ripped off the umbrella logo from this town. And so, I mean, and that's how the Capcom's trying to tie this all into the overall story. But, like, is it really a tie-in? Because basically the whole thing is that Spencer was like, no, I want to reboot humanity with my viruses. I don't care about just one baby. And Miranda only ever cared just about her baby. So they, like, you know, parted separate ways. But that doesn't mean that Miranda really had much of an influence on Umbrella other than, I guess, inspiring Spencer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he gave him gave him some ideas, right? Like, that was kind of the vibe I got from it, that he was like, I can do better, you know, and now I've found mm-hmm. this progenitor virus that I, that I can do what I want to do, which is completely, you know, reshape humanity. Hmm. Well, to me, though, the umbrella symbol was always very pharmaceutical. It felt very pharmaceutical, and I really like that about it because it's like, you know, that, that, that underlying evil that you associate with big pharma, right? Like... Yeah, they do a lot of things that help people, but like, uh, should we really be putting our investment into into these these big companies that are really just making money off of people's suffering? So I like that about that. So I don't know if that undermines that a little bit for me because it's just like apparently it's just some ancient fucking symbol. So how so then that means all these four lords have been around for like a century? Well, not them themselves, but their families. Like basically, their families have been hereditary lords in this region. Okay. Not always just hideous, terrible monsters, but long-standing. No, they're they're families, and I know that as a hmm. fact. There's documents that say, you know, Moreau is the last of the Moreau family. Well, yeah. Um, who would want to? That his family tends to be fuck that thing. <laughs> I mean, is Moreau Moreau can lay the eggs, and maybe someone can come by and fertilize them, but he ain't getting anywhere closer than that to to Moreau's <laughs> fish vagina or whatever the fuck he has. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Now, Donna, on the other hand, I could kind of cover up that eye. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, but Angie's Yeah, I was going to say, there's time. a room full of puppets watching you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't like, mind. critiquing you, hey, probably. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm Yeah, because Donna wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Angie would be like, no, no, to the left. To the left. <laughs> <laughs> she would. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. But what happens afterwards? Like, this baby baby come out of somewhere like what's gonna happen angie gets pregnant yeah angie starts to bloom up balloon up (laughs) gives birth to a seven foot long fetus oh that's resident evil 9 well you know what i mean based on that house you could think you're having sex with donna you could be fucking anything you could be fucking a blender for all all ethan knows like That's hilarious. That's fine. It'll grow back. You're right. You just pour some water on it and then reattach it. It's fine. (laughs) First aid. First aid. (laughs) So, okay. So then this means Ethan's not a mold man because there was mold infecting the herbs he was taking on RSF. And he was just literally made a mold man. Yeah, something happened there, and they yeah. just haven't fully explained it. And I don't know if they ever will, to be honest. I don't think they need to. I mean, at the very end of the game, it's like, the father's story has ended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I do want to discuss Rose. I just, yeah. You know, one final note. I, I found that Miranda was probably one of the weakest final bosses, if not the weakest main villain in any Resident Evil. I'm just throwing that out there that I played. I mean, you know almost nothing about her. When you do know about her, you don't really care. And 
the final battle with her, to me, for the most part that I can remember, is just me shooting her in the head with a magnum until she finally the problem. The problem with Mother Miranda is all the things you learn about her, she no longer does. Because she is delegated all of these things and all these testing that she does. The Lords do all that now. Like, what? So what does she do? Like, what does she actually add to anything is how I feel. Oh, so she, she cosplays as an old lady. And that's what she does. <laughs> oh, that's how she <laughs> that's how she passes her time. You, you got to do something during lockdown, so <laughs> that's what she chooses to do. <laughs> Anyone have any final words on Miranda, or we should talk about the after credit sequence and where this might go to kind of tie things up. Final boss is like um, it's kind of standard re fare, honestly. Like if anything, it's better than some of the other titles where you know you're just in a te- like a five minute timer and you have to like run around in a circle or whatever. At least there's a- some changing mechanics to it. But yeah, in general, you're just shooting her with a magnum and then you know blocking. But that's kind of the game, right? I had a lot of trouble because I wasn't blocking. <laughs> like when she makes those fireball things come at you, I'm like, how do you fucking dodge these things? <laughs> You shoot him. Well, that I also didn't learn until the very end of that fight. Gotcha. Because I'm a dummy. (laughs) But I find it funny, like, how out of all the homages, and this felt kind of injected in, her first form, Mother Miranda, is a Saddler form. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, exactly Saddler. It is. The four legs. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to shoot this thing. She's missing a few eyes. Okay, so you kill her, and... There's kind of a scene that I, I liked, but it was awkwardly filmed because they refused to show Ethan's face. So it's like always from behind. But basically, Rose is, uh, she's regenerated. Ethan gives Rose to Chris because Ethan starts to literally crumble because he's losing his power. A bomb was thrown into the big mega mice or whatever. And so Ethan is going to blow it up, um, sacrifice himself, which he does. And... Then there's a scene where, you know, Chris is on a helicopter with Mia and Mia's like, where's my husband? You said you'd take care of us. And Chris is just like banging his fist and just like, Mia, no, he sacrificed himself or something, you know, kind of some emotion. Um, But the after credits is kind of the big thing. The after credits, you see Rose. She's either a teenager or a young adult um, putting flowers on her dad's grave. There's some prick who looks like he's from Men in Black 4 with his sunglasses who's like driving around he's like yeah i found her calls her evelyn for some reason i don't know why you'd insult a mentally unstable bioweapon but calls her evelyn which pisses her <laughs> we off we don't know rose like, is you mentally unstable we don't know but anyway she didn't like the insult and apparently she has all these supernatural powers and then they drive off there's a figure that walks up I don't know if this is spoilers to you guys, but this is 2021. People can data mine that shit and like focus in. It is Ethan's character model that walks up to the SUV at the end of the game. So Hmm. some people speculate it was just a convenient character model to have do that. Some people speculate Ethan's going to be back in a supporting role. Well, then why would they, why would you have the the model there at all then? If it's just like, oh, let's. Yeah. Well, why would you, why would you even have that scene where someone's approaching the. Exactly. Exactly. So the the mega mycene thing is the source of the mold in Louisiana, right? So that's the connection, right? That's 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 the connection. It's like the the 
initial sprouting. I don't know how I got it to Louisiana. I don't, I don't think we ever were told how I got to Louis, no, Louisiana. No, we don't. Okay, doesn't sure. matter. So I'm, there's no way that this scene is like, you know, 20 years later. Like this is like a year later. Like Rose has to have had some accelerated growth. Like I highly doubt this is, you know, we've, we've the, the actual time uh, for her to get to, well, she's got to be like 18 there or something, right? There's no way this oh, is 18 years later. Oh, good point, right? Like, yeah, maybe, 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 yeah, it's not. Because she's, she's supposed to be probably, what, like 16 to 19 there? Something yeah, like that? for sure. Because they also, uh, she also talks about Chris again. So then that means yeah. they've canonically made themselves 15, you know, being generous, years where they can't kill off Chris Redfield, possibly. There's no way, right? Like, this is like a year later. Like she's just has, she's accelerated growth or something for sure. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought of that. That's that's cool. Actually, that's sense. a good point. That you're right. You're right. That makes no sense why there would be such a huge time gap that goes by otherwise. Yeah, and if there there would be, it would make less logical sense for Rose to age normally, right? Than it would be for her to raise accelerate yeah. just like Evelyn. I I'm betting she's got like. She can shape change, probably, too. Yeah, like, we never even find out what her fucking powers are. Well, that that's actually my biggest concern, to be honest, from a gameplay perspective, is that for Resident Evil 9, we'll play as Rose, and that we'll literally have some superpowers. Like, she'll be able to zap something, or, like, explode ahead psychologically with psychic powers. And like, I don't really want Resident Evil to go down that path. Mm-mm. I don't think we'll play as Rose... I don't think that makes sense. Maybe, though, but they've emphasized that the father's story is done, implying that the daughter's story is the beginning. The daughter's story is yeah. continue. Maybe we'll get to play as Mia. <laughs> we already uh, did let's in hope RE7. Not. Well, that's true. We did get to play as Mia, and that, that section of that game sucked. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I wouldn't mind playing as Rose if it starts to bring this universe back together. Like, I don't want, like the BSS BSAA with their bioweapons to be mentioned and then nothing to happen with that for five years of the franchise, right? Like bring it together, bring some kind of coherency back to the story. Because the one thing that I'll say about Resident Evil seven and eight is that through both games, I'm like, okay, this was fun, but like, what the fuck's going on with the bigger story? Like, I don't understand there's this here and this here and this here and this here. What is going on? You guys share that at all, or like I don't know. I, I thought there was like a theme here is that it's kind of incoherent what the bigger story is. Well, I think that comes back to the anthology idea of that they've kind of been seemingly going for with the series. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if the next bunch of games are more like a uh, original trilogy of sorts, kind of like how Tomb Raider has a new trilogy, and then I'm sure the next Tomb Raider will kind of be almost like a soft reboot of sorts you know it'll be another new trilogy as well uh, a lot of long-term franchises seem to do this now uh, doom did this right like they released doom 2016 and doom eternal and they kind of stand alone from the other games and i think they're moving on as well so when doom comes back it'll be kind of a new thing i wouldn't be surprised if re kind of does that as well moving forward i wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind. I'd be very excited if if RE9 was announced like Chris and his hound squad are like investigating the BSAA. That would really pique my interest, actually, as a game. So we play as Chris Redfield again. Yeah. 
Though I think we got to tie some other people in. Like there's so many important, and I'm not necessarily meaning Leon. He's had a good shot. I'd like <laughs> to see maybe Jill come back. I'd like to see Wesker Barry. Oh, I'd love to see like a 60 year old, like old man strength, completely gray Barry. <laughs> I guess, but I don't think you can play as those characters as the main characters because they've already experienced so much horror and they're so experienced dealing with these bioweapons that the gameplay and like the, the horror aspects of it are kind of diminished as a result. Hmm. Yeah, because like eventually you get... Okay you get a whole game like we got in Chris Red, Chris's segment in RE8, right? And that's just stupid. Because yeah, that's what RE6 was. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and RE6, which was all these, like, uh, very experienced, uh, you know, technicians dealing with bioweapons. So we need new characters is what you're saying. Like we had with Ethan. I think so. Yeah. And just maybe make them have a personality this time. <laughs> so do we still like the first person? Yeah, I thought the first person was sweet. Yeah, I think it works. I think it works. You know, you've you've got to take care of the horror elements otherwise, but I think uh, both 7 and 8, for me, have proven it to be viable. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I like it too. Uh, I, I think you can do a lot more with it as far as the claustrophobic feeling when you're in, in indoors and, you know, in your environment. Uh, even when you're outside in the environment, just you, you, can ha- you can make it so you have this narrower field of view, right? And it does add, uh, or can add to the intensity, especially when you're like mid fight too. Absolutely. There's things you can do with a third person camera that is pretty cool. Like you can draw attention to some things in a different way that maybe in a first person you might miss because you're literally controlling the eyes of the character. Right. But in terms of the survival horror aspect and kind of feeling like you're there, I thought they nailed it pretty well. If anything, it would be sweet to play a VR version of RE8. I'm surprised they didn't try to ma- they didn't make a version for RE8. Is it because it's like in this in between of of console generations? Like I don't I don't understand. You know, it could be because when they released the RE7 uh VR, it was just for PlayStation yeah, yeah, 4, yeah. right? So, like, it was a unique uh, thing for that console, and they never ended up releasing it for PC, even though the I'm sure the technology could handle it no problem at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, even VR technologies, I think, kind of at an in-between right now, so that could be a factor as well. Hmm. I mean, I played this on the PS4, and it runs, it, well, it, it looks great still. Yeah, on a base PS4, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't like struggle with any frame rate issues either or anything like that. I mean, some of the load times were were a little longer getting into the game, but once you're in game, there's no load times unless you're like in an elevator, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I played it on my gamer PC, which is a pretty pretty good gamer PC when it came out about a year ago. I can't play it on max specs. Probably about 75% specs to max is what it's running on. Uh, but there's like no frame rate issues, like you said. The game has a good self-optimization feature, it seems, like where it really tries to balance the best possible graphics it can give you on your rig. Uh, so that was my experience, no complaints. Marty, how about you? What were you running it on? Um, well, I was running it on the PS5, um, and you know I got a rather nice 4K TV right now, so I've been able to enjoy the, the PS5's... Uh, quick load times and some pretty good visuals and honestly it, it looked great and the load times were awesome and it, it, it's pretty standard with ps5 that once you're in a game the uh game like has almost 
negligible load times and uh, getting into this one was pretty quick like i i'd say from turning on the main screen to playing was probably it couldn't have been more than 30 seconds whoa <laughs> that's crazy that's pretty good and and the this adaptive trigger thing oh that PS5 sounds really that fucking I just heard cool, about yeah. it's like it feels different when you shoot each gun with the the shoulder buttons so the the two things I really like about the controller are the haptic feedback, which is like your rumble is um, a little more nuanced than a normal rumble, um, probably significantly nuanced, honestly. And then also the uh, adaptive trigger. So the adaptive trigger is how they work is you can, when you partially pull down a trigger, you get some resistance and the resistance can be changed. So depending on the type of gun you're shooting, say if it's like a shotgun, you might have to pull the trigger down a little bit harder. And um, then with the rumble uh, and the haptic feedback, if you're shooting, say like a machine gun, like in Chris Redfield's segment, you get like a rat-a-tat-a-tata feel in your hand and it's really accurate. It feels like perfectly synced with your like gunfire. So it's it's wow. pretty cool. It really draws you in, and the uh, the speakers for the controller are really strong too. So like certain things come, certain noises come out of the speakers, and they're it's pretty cool. Like uh, I I know I think PS4 did that as well, but I think the PS5's controller like really nails the uh, just the whole like immersive aspect of the controller for sure. That's really cool. So let's get into final thoughts. Uh, wrap this up here, uh, Leland. Um, final thoughts as you're tying everything together. What are you thinking? Final thoughts. I mean, like we we really hit it when we first did the in the non spoiler. Like, yeah, just play this game. Play this game. If you're a fan at all of any of the RE games, just play it. Even if you're not, I think this is a fine point to jump in. If it if the gameplay draws you enough, then go and play go and play seven too. We actually reviewed seven when that came out too. So go do it. Get it. Play it. It's fun. It's great. It's one of my favorites. Get it. Got it. <laughs> uh marty thanks for joining us from hell your thoughts on the game before we throw you back into the fiery lake yeah it was nice to uh, have a little vacation um but i'll go back to where we're all fully vaccinated so that'll be nice um yeah it's you know it's one of my faves for sure it's i would say i rank it in the top maybe three or four of my resident evil games i've played um Probably top three, honestly. It's probably right behind RE2. RE2 make might be my favorite at this point, and then RE4, and then this. Um, and it's it's great. It's it's a really fun game. I, I'm Maybe there's aspects of the replayability I'm not as big of a fan of as I was of a few of the other games, but in general, the just quality of the game is just top-notch, and uh, despite some of the uh, flaws that we discussed, I think it's absolutely worth it for a fan of the series, and even worth of it worth it for someone who's not a fan of the series. If you want to be scared a little bit, have some pretty cool psychological horror and some absolutely fun uh, shooting gameplay, and and it, it's a solid 10-hour game, honestly, the first time through, so, you know, it's maybe not worth the $80 if you only plan on playing it once, but as far as an experience goes, it's it's definitely one of the best you can have uh, in terms of AAA titles, I think. All right, and I'll finish us off here. I will agree with you guys. I will say it's a phenomenal game. It was worth the money. Um, it w- it's an incredible amount of fun, despite, uh, you know, the, the holes here with the plot or, or things like that that we've discussed. Um, it's just so much fun. And I think it will satisfy both action fans and horror fans because of how the segments are separated 
and some are a little bit more slow burn psychological horror than others. Uh, it, the game really gives you a little bit of everything. Um, it's just so satisfying to hunt down treasures. It's got some all-time favorite characters like the Duke. The Duke will go down in Resident Evil history as as an amazing character. Um, he already is. And so uh, you're going to, you know, hear some memes and some quotes there that that'll be thrown around the video game community for like the next 10, 20 years. Um, so, yeah. And if you want to wait for it to go on sale for, you know, 30, 50 percent off, that's fine. But um, certainly pick it up at some point. Like I said, 8.5, solid 8.5. Very impressed with it. Had a blast. Looking forward to see what they do in the future. Sweet. End of show. Yeah. Well, and to show stuff, uh, Leland, hit that up before we throw Marty back. Okay, our website, ttpopcast.com. Uh, ttpopcast on Instagram, the ttpopcast on Facebook. I've been Leland Steele. Oh, I've hey, been... Uh, before, before you send me back to hell, can I uh, uh, talk about my stuff as well, or what? Oh, well, fuck, I <laughs> sure. guess. I got, like, the TT pop. <laughs> the TT podcast. Okay. Yeah. So you can see my only fans at onlyfans.com slash ghost Marty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm there. I'm, that's pretty much all I do right now because I have no other income. I've been killed and sent to hell. So, um, yeah, uh, please sign up. There's, uh, lots of photos of me doing God knows what, you know, Satan knows what. Um, so yeah, sign up. It's practically free. Yeah. You attract a lot of necrophiles. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, she wouldn't believe. <laughs> what? What's that? Uh, what's that movie series? Paranormal something. Paranormal like activity. Real. <laughs> paranormal activity. Marty's running like paranormal activity six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's a whole series there. He'll just hey, visit you in your bed at night. I died like I lived. Disgusting. <laughs> 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 I will say take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, buddy. Be gone, Satan. Go back to your lake.